93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad that you have joined us this weekend. Uh, very pleased to welcome uh, to the Eagle Studios a former radio guy himself and uh, someone who's making a big difference here in our Colum- in our city and in other places, uh, John Ott. John, great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks, Fred. Glad to be here. Uh, your company is Alley A Realty. Uh, that's uh, the company you do business with. But tell people a little bit about your background. Uh, where did you grow up and, and how did you end up in Columbia? Well, I grew up in uh, St. Louis County and went to... Afton High School, because everybody asked what high school you went to when you're from <laughs> St. Louis. But um, and uh, when I left uh, Afton, I came uh, to Mizzou, and with which a lot of kids do from St. Louis, and mm-hmm. then uh, just found my way to the journalism school. Yeah. Uh, a story I like to tell. I met your wife the same way you met your wife. Uh, we were. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Uh, we were both uh, media reps in the market, and yeah. uh, um, I was selling for the Man Eater at the time. You were selling for the Missouri, and I think maybe when you first called on Vicky, Vicky was yeah. uh, the manager of the Missouri bookstore on, yeah. on Lowry Mall. Yeah. Here's the difference, though. Yeah. She said she remembered you, <laughs> and she did not remember me. So. Well, uh, somehow she ended up as your wife. I, I had to. I, I had to be reintroduced to her a year later before she paid attention to me so. yeah she was my largest advertiser so I, I really liked her a lot so anyway but mm-hmm. uh, um you um ended up staying in columbia but uh i, I want to kind of talk a little bit about um uh kind of your first project that i think well let's talk about your radio your your radio career too because mm-hmm. you uh as soon as you graduated uh, you went to the school of journalism is that correct yes okay yes. and uh you got in i didn't get in but um it, you uh, got into the radio business, right? I did. I did. I was when I was in the, the journalism school. There was a gentleman named Dave Dugan, oh, yeah. who uh, just a great man. He was uh, he had worked at, uh, in, at CBS in New York City and came here because his wife uh, uh, got a job at Stevens College, and it was her turn to uh, to work her career. And, and so he worked at the J school and he would tap on people's shoulders and say, Hey, what do you want to do with, you know, when you get out of J school? And they didn't know what to do with me because I didn't show a lot of talent in journalism school. You know, I wasn't going to, uh, you know, Miami to be on air or anything like that. So they, they ended up finding me an internship selling, you know, $10 advertising at a local radio station. And so, um, so, but, but it actually turned out to be great for me because I was really interested in small business and uh and helping businesses out and uh and i love news but yeah. um i just wasn't gonna perform it in front of people i didn't have that skill but yeah um anyway it was i i did that mm-hmm. and then ultimately after a few years i was able to uh, get into ownership and uh and management and uh and then the laws were changing you know you had to you had to buy stations in order to uh, actually stay alive in order yeah. to keep here. So yeah. uh, that was, that was, uh, fortunate. And so anyway, that's that. Was, and so after tw- about 20 years, uh, doing that, then, uh, we had the opportunity and, and probably really the necessity to sell 
the stations and uh and that's about it yeah so the 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 it was called the premier marketing group and and uh you had kfru kpla uh you had uh the buzz i think there were there were but there were six or seven radio stations in that group at one time right? bxr yeah uh, kfru kpla uh, kjmo uh, klik 106.1 yeah the uh so anyway yeah it was a it was a good group but we really focused on marketing i'm sure you know the way zimmers do yeah one of the one of the best shows though that was ever on that group was the show that you were on on kfru you <laughs> you and yeah. simon and it was incredible i well, mean you would bring news you know you you uh did some great stuff uh, and i quickly got fired so it was uh, no, <laughs> they no. knew what they were doing <laughs> no i think they were disappointed when you decided to, to uh move away from that but right. uh, that was a fine show yeah well you know it's it's uh you had a little side gig going that really kind of became your your primary focus in in the uh uh in in your day-to-day life and that was the renovation and restoration of historic properties and and one of your first projects was uh I believe was this thing called the schoolhouse bed and breakfast. And, and I don't remember who was with you. Somebody was out on a date one night with you and Vicki and they told us that you all went and uh, drove down to Roseport and looked at this abandoned school building and uh, that would later become the schoolhouse bed and breakfast. And tell us about that project and, and really what were, what were your motivations back then when you, you, you saw the potential in that building? Well, we, when we first got in the Rocheport, uh, the first time I was there, I was, I was selling advertising or approached Dr. Bourgeois at the oh, okay. winery. Sure. And they weren't even open yet, but I, we heard they were going to open and it was a fall day and it was gloomy. And I drove down the road from the winery into the town and the, there was a guy named Lenny Fishman who had an mm. antique shop in, mm. in there. And it was very quiet and very dull and gray that day. And, and, uh, we started talking and, and a few months later, you know, he called me and asked me if I wanted to buy the building because I had expressed an interest in it. And, uh, and really the only, we thought we would just, it would be a fun hand, a project to, you know, to, uh, to, to work physically with our hands yeah. on the weekend. So this was the schoolhouse. This was the schoolhouse. And there was an antique shop in there when you first, yeah. Is that right? You know, on the okay. first floor. And on okay. the second floor, they said, uh, don't go on the, up to the second floor. You know it, the building might cave in. Right. And so, yeah, after we purchased it, I uh, I contacted Stan Elmore. Some of you might remember oh, Stan yeah. Elmore from the uh, county, Absolutely. from the county yeah. engineer. Um, um, and Stan w- walked up the, over there with me and and uh, looked at the building, checked it out. You know, and what he said to me was, "John, you know this building is going to be here long after you and I are gone." So, wow, that's, um, oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, so that gave us yeah. the confidence, but, yeah. but that it was going to be a good project. But we ended up uh, uh, also then we, we were just going to do something contemporary with it. But in the but, but then we met Dorothy Caldwell, who was uh, a lady who uh, had put the town on the historic register, most of the town. Okay, and uh, uh, she convinced us that uh, you know that we needed to be true to its uh, historic and inter- uh, historic nature and character, and so that's why we. Uh, we pursued uh, uh, developing it that way. We had also spent our part of our honeymoon in Natchez, Mississippi. Okay, we were the youngest people on a historic homes tour, yeah. and uh, and we decided that that would be uh, you know a bed and breakfast would be the highest and best use yeah. for the building, and it's been around now for thirty you know five years. Yeah, now, so. and that you were kind of an early. I, mean, there, I think most people in Mid Missouri didn't know much about bed and breakfast, and and that was sort of a that was really before the trend really kind of started taking off, and so that was uh incredibly visionary it's uh now i understand that this past weekend you were honored by the community of roachport uh you and vicky tell us what what was the award you were given uh it was just a, a hall of fame award yeah and uh the um 
uh, they said we're the first people to receive it that are alive. So I quickly checked Vicky's pulse, and and they were correct. We were both both still around when we got it. But uh, that was quite an honor. The uh, uh, a lot of the uh, people, local people that we uh, uh, have known for years, uh, and many of them are still still there. You yeah. Know? Uh, unfortunately, some people have passed on. But uh, but many many of the people are still there, and they've been working there and, and making Rocheport better now for you know for many years. Yeah. And, I, and I was just impressed at how how nice Rocheport is right now. It's just it's just amazing how they've continued to improve it over. Yeah, years. you know it's interesting uh, when you first did that. I think a lot of people were probably scratching their heads, and I'm sure they didn't hold back their comments like, "What are you thinking? I mean, there's nothing in this town." And and really, the schoolhouse was really kind of. I mean, you probably don't like to to say this, but it was really the first thing that really kind of put Roachport on the map. Uh, that and the the opening of the winery. Yeah, it was you know timing's everything, I guess. But there wasn't a lot going on. Richard Saunders had a fine antique shop, mm-hmm. and there was Granny's Antiques, and I think there was a, a maybe a movement earlier for you know for things to happen, and it just didn't. But. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, it was a lot of it was timing and, and, and a lot of it was just, you know, we were younger and fairly naive Yeah, yeah. and, uh, but that really worked to our benefit and, uh, um, and, and people kind of, you know, gathered around and, and helped things happen. I mean, everybody was very supportive. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we had times when, you know, when, uh, some people just weren't sure, you know, what was, what, what we were, you know, what we wanted to do, but. But most of the people came around and and really supported it, and uh, it was it was just a fine time. We were there about we lived there about ten years. And yeah, it was, it was your kids a, were born there, right? I mean, they they grew up in that house uh, as young kids. Yeah, they did. They yeah. were we they. Uh, in fact, my son Tanner fell down the steps twice. That's when we <laughs> realized we need to we needed to move down the street. So we actually, after a few years, moved down the street yeah. and operated. You know, how many uh, how many buildings in Rocheport did you end up renovating? You know, I don't, I don't re- recall. You know, but I can name a couple. One was the the Mount Nebo uh, Church, which yep. was uh, was re- literally ready to fall over, mm-hmm. and we uh, and that was the first uh, location for Abigail's. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And today, I, we were just there the other day, and there's a gentleman doing a fine job with it. And it kind of has a beer garden uh, yeah. feel to it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, a uh, real comfortable, shady spot to. Uh, I remember a one house, a uh, widow Lister. Was that her? Was that her name, Widow Lister? <laughs> Am I making that up, or is that? Uh... That was actually Marsha Voss, is who had White Horse Antiques. Okay, uh, and and she did that for years, and we okay. got to see her this week. But that was her mother, and she had a nice antique shop. Uh, yeah, in town. But one of the one of the uh, I don't know if you remember Word of Mouth Cafe. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Denise Blazik. We we kind of recruited her. Yeah, and then and then there was the uh, the controversial uh, the salt, and salt pepper, pepper shake. That's scandal. exactly what I was thinking. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that out of all the things that come to mind is the the the, and that was a an elected official, correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that stole the salt and pepper shakers. Yeah, yeah. It made you know, we won't it was say just his a name. Yeah, I don't even remember, but it was. It made oh, I a, do. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, it was in the in the newspaper. Let's just say things. he wasn't a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So Roachport was really kind of uh, your beginning, and I think that one of the things that sort of—I've told you this before—and and a, a couple of years ago, the the magazine honored you as really kind of one of Columbia's visionaries in the, in the Como One Hundred. And but you know, it—you see something in buildings that other people could not possibly see, and I think that it's where there were. Uh, talking about, uh, I, one of your latest projects is this, uh, what I call the, is it the digs or the Wilson meat, 
meat market over on Worley Street next to Walt's Bike Shop. What was that building originally called? Do you remember? Um, well, it was it was uh, Diggs Meat Packing. Diggs Meat Packing. Yeah, and, and then Wilson's uh, Wilson's Meat Packing uh, for many years. Yeah, and, uh, and then uh, Necropolis after that. The yeah, house. yeah, right. Yeah, for ten years it was yeah. a haunted house. That's right. So. But you really, I just you see things and and uh, you really transform them. But um, so tell me a little bit about uh, what, what do you, what was. What was your first big project in, in Columbia for, for renovation? Well, the first big one um, was the um, uh, where Gl- the old Glenn's Cafe was, and then it was Caldy's Coffee, uh, now a shortwave coffee. But, oh, yeah. Uh, that's at the corner of Ninth and uh, Cherry. And the name of that building is? Uh, it's the Paramount. Paramount uh, building, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that was our first one. We did that in uh, 04, and Andy Coyle helped us with that, and that was a, a, a big help. And... Uh, uh, and then, uh, you know, another one was uh, where, where Bud's Barbecue is right, right oh, now. Oh, yeah, over across there on, from 9th Street there, on, across yeah. from the Missourian. Yeah. Or what used to be the Missourian. It's torn down now. <laughs> right, right. And uh, but anyway, that, and so, you know, um, that, you know, those are some projects. We did the uh, the uh, alley, a lot, you know, built uh, projects along Alley oh, yeah. A and then Broadway on the other side when yeah. they were able to take down the canopy and um, so anyway, we've had uh, the Arts District, something that we've focused a lot on over the years and uh and then, as you just mentioned, the stockyards is uh, uh, is uh, what you know where Ozark Mountain Biscuit and Pasta Lafada and, and uh, Party Perfectly, yeah, the Root Cellar, and yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good tenants over there too. It's a neat space. I mean, of course, it's got great curb appeal, and and uh, uh, I think there's an area, a grassy area next to that called the Bullpen. Uh, that's the last time I saw you. There was a pop up restaurant yeah. uh, there that uh, that Saturday, but yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the the most interesting projects, and and it has to be the old Parker Funeral Home at the uh, that's now the atrium at the intersection. I think it's at Tenth and Walnut, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, you know, that was a funeral home uh, with a big parking garage, and uh, I don't know when did you first decide that could be an event venue. Well, you know, we 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 uh, I don't know when I first decided, but we kept looking at that building because mm-hmm. we have, have some other properties in the arts district near that. And you looked at it, we we would look at it, and we'd say, um, you know, what happened? To all the door, it was probably a lot of gar- garage doors mm-hmm. along Walnut, and it was just all blocked in, and it just looked uh, closed off and not very receptive. And that's because it was a, I mean, in its in its infancy, that was a. That was a uh, car dealership, mm, okay. and in the front part of it was the. They probably had two or three cars, and this was in the thirties. Yep. Um, it, it, down lower, and there was a ramp, and then they had the repair shop in the back. But all those were, were glass and doors, and all was blocked in. And so we just thought, at the very least, it ought to be you know some retail stores or studios. But then once we got into it, we realized there was a lack of uh, event space downtown, and other businesses would benefit from an event space just mm-hmm. you know people coming early people even late going to the restaurants bars retail whatever so um and it took us a while to figure out how to make it work but uh there isn't there isn't really a whole lot of uh open air open space like that yeah that you could do something like that so we thought that was the highest and best use and it and it's worked out pretty well when we come back we'll continue our conversation with john ott uh, who is the owner of uh Ali a realty and a developer of, of many significant restoration projects here in columbia and rocheport and also in ely minnesota we'll be talking about that we also want to get his take on sort of the uh the, uh, the current happenings in downtown Columbia as one of the major property owners down there, what his uh, concerns are, his thoughts are about the future of downtown. All of that and more is coming up here on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. Hey!
Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you've tuned in. We are visiting with John Ott, talking about some of his restoration projects that he has done here in Columbia. And really been responsible for a lot of the um, uh, some some of the major restorations and renovation projects. Uh, at one time, John, you were one of the owners of the Tiger Hotel. Uh, was there quite a bit of restoration work that you all did as part of that project? Yeah, there there was. Um, we will uh, we we. When we got into that, we didn't know what we were getting into, but we had to tuck point that entire building. Ooh. It had been hit by lightning on one corner of it, and uh, it separated the uh, the masonry from the, the structure. Mm. And then water, you had the freeze and thaw, and that was yep. a real liability. And so we had people, I think, from Chicago come in and do all that, and we had a new roof put on it. And the thing that I, I, I am most proud of, and I think I said it in that article you referred to earlier, well, was when we uh, relit the tiger sign. Yeah, that's that, cool. That sign was was uh, iconic. It was it's iconic, yeah. and it was it hadn't been lit for about fifty years. Yeah. It was just up there in bad condition, and so it was rebuilt. And anyway, that was, yeah. that was quite fun. You really don't see um, too many uh, pictures of the Columbia skyline uh, without um, seeing um, that tiger hotel sign, and um, you know, it's, so it's, it is iconic to the to Columbia skyline. You, you know. That's one of the questions I wanted to ask you is that when you start, you know, I live in a 103-year-old house, and, and uh, you live in a pretty old home, too, and you've done a lot of these projects. But, you know, when you start sort of chipping away at a project, you discover all kinds of things you weren't anticipating. But what are some of the biggest surprises you've come across uh, in your years of, of doing these kinds of renovations? You know, it's just... Um I don't know that I've, uh, I've I've found a lot of surprises. I mean, I'm talking about good things or bad things mm-hmm. or interesting things. I mean, you always you always you know sometimes find structural stuff. Some yeah. of these buildings they had a fire at one time or another, and they just kind of half patched it. Yep. And you have to go in and fix them. But uh, um, you know, most of them have been in in pretty good shape in that regard. But um, you know, the most interesting thing was in my, actually my own house. Hmm. Uh, my house isn't quite a hundred years old yet. Right. It will be in uh, 26, I believe. But uh, James S. Rollins owned my house, built my house in the mm-hmm. Grasslands. It was the first one built there, and he was developing. Uh, uh, and this is James, not not the uh, uh, father of the university, but maybe four generations later. Hmm. And uh, that was a that was a dairy farm. Uh, oh, yeah. Grasslands That's was. Right. And so anyway, uh, we were in there removing a ceiling to uh, vault the ceiling on a porch. And, but and the ceiling uh, directly above it was a closet that was adjacent to the master bedroom. And so when we, my son and I were taking the plaster lath out, and all of a sudden we heard clink, 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 and as and we reached up into the into the cavity between the f- floor of the closet and the lath of the ceiling, and we were pulling out bourbon bottles. Oh, and uh, and and one of them, and the Boone County Historical Society has it today. We gave it to them, but it was from Boone Tavern Pharmacy. So oh, you're kidding! Apparently, me. during Prohibition, if you <laughs> had an avenue, you could get a prescription for bourbon, and it was uh, it was it was. And so they were hidden in the wall of this house. They were in the floor in the in the floor of the closet. Yeah. But it, the story continues because we continued working on it. Next thing we heard, kerplunk, and there was a pistol. Oh. That fell to the fell to the floor. Yep. Luckily, it wasn't loaded. Probably <laughs> wouldn't have worked anyway. But uh, so we so we thought, wow, what's this? And then as we swept up, we found one bullet. 
So my theory was is that James S. Rollins was developing the grasslands. He had a few houses under his belt, yep. and the uh, yeah, you know the uh, uh, the crash of '29 came about. Oh yeah, and maybe he that was his exit strategy. Yeah. If things just didn't work out. <laughs> One because, bullet is all it would take. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that yeah. that might have been the most interesting thing. Yeah, we and a history of suicide in that family to begin with. I think so. Yeah, I don't, it, I'm not aware of that. Well, but. it's a long lore here, but yeah. you know, it, it's kind of. Um, you, you know, you sort of, I think that one of the things over the years that has disappointed me about our community is that we don't do a very good job of preserving our history. And, you know, I, uh, one year, uh, several years ago, I came across a 1910 picture book of Columbia. And, and in that book were, it was just filled with beautiful historic homes that were all over our community. And, you know, most of those homes over the years have burnt down or they were paved to make room for a, a residence hall over on the, the university. A lot of these big, beautiful houses were on the university campus or near it. And, you know, we just don't have, if you drive through Boonville or Fayette, I mean, you really get a sense for its history. And today is another, another community, but, but in Columbia, you really don't have a strong sense of history. Uh, there's no neighborhoods that really, where there are a lot of well-maintained historic homes. And, and that's, that's too bad because I sort of feel like we, we just don't have that sense of history. Yeah. Know, well, we a lot of our growth occurred after World War II. So yeah. most of that, you know, you we were bordered by West Boulevard and, and stadium and yeah. I don't know, maybe the business slipped to the north. I mean, yeah. it wasn't that the town wasn't that large. And then, you know, the, the, what really caused a lot of that was the expansion of the university. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, you, you're blessed with the university, yeah. but then the, the, you know, the downside of that is, 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 you know, you're going to lose some of these structures that yeah. wouldn't have fit in on a university campus. Yeah. And so, yeah. but, uh, but anyway, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. So I want to talk about downtown because, uh, you, uh, appear to be very bullish on downtown. You have made a significant investment in properties in downtown Columbia. Uh, I think we've all seen. A real transformation of, of downtown um, in in the last thirty years. Um, tell me your current thoughts. I, I think that we worry. There's there's a, a lot of conversation about crime. There's a lot of conversations about the homeless population. Tell me how those two things are affecting downtown from your point of view. Well, you know, we we uh, I, I'm talk about crime first. I mm-hmm. mean. Um, it's not limited to downtown. Yeah. I mean, every, yeah, I, at first I, you know, I'm very much aware of what's going on downtown, but then when you look around, um, these, uh, these incidents that are occurring, they're happening everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, and so we just have to try to get a handle on that. And I'm sure we will, I think, uh, um, but, uh, uh, the other thing, as far as the homeless go, Again, that's happening all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, uh, people will try to find their way to areas where they can find money, whether it be uh, intersections or whether it be in a downtown area where people are. There's a lot of people, and they're looking for money to, uh, at least with the homeless that have addiction problems. You know, they're they're they're. Um, uh, looking for money, and mm-hmm. they, so they'll go to places where there's a lot of people. And in downtown areas, uh, if you're at a mall, they can, they, you know, they can shoo you away, which yeah. is what they do. But if you're in a in a area where you have sidewalks, yeah, and streets, public sidewalks, then, public streets, public yeah. alleys. So, yeah. so, uh, so that's the problem. Now, I think what's I, I see a trend anyway, where people and for a while people 
would say, well, just leave them alone, mm -hmm. you know, and because you go because it, it is, you know, it's bad for business and you, and you don't it, you have sympathy for people who are suffering on the streets, whether they believe they are or not. In some cases, right. some people resist any help. But uh, so anyway, we uh, I think there's a trend now to say, how can we help? these people mm -hmm. now uh, and, and it's and that's a big change because for a while it was just just let, leave them alone that's yeah. what the ACLU would say yeah they'd have to be an imminent threat to themselves they have to be cutting cutting their wrists you know doing something very yeah. tragic to uh, to be able to give them any assistance mm -hmm. if and uh, today uh, I again I don't know where the ACLU will end up on this but but the kip the, the uh, general feeling I think in the public is let's help them and, and that's what we absolutely need to do now at the same time and if you I, I've, I've done a lot of research on this and there's a group called uh, Sunbreak Ranch sunbreakranch.com it's some mm. business people in San Diego and their comment is is look we need to help these people but at the same time we don't have to give up our parks our sidewalks our streets and our neighborhoods you know uh, it's it's not a one-way street you mm -hmm. know we, we need to we need to um, we need to get these people into programs and things where they can get help and a way forward and get them off our streets. Because I literally have seen people that may not have been imminent threats themselves, mm -hmm. but I've seen them die slowly yeah. on, on our streets. We yeah. drive by them every day. And, yeah. and it's like, it's it's easy to just drive right by them. But, mm -hmm. but that's, that's not good enough if yeah. you're a caring community. And we have enough people in our social service programs in Columbia that, that we ought to be able to assist some of these people. I'm not sure how downtown is structured. There used to be a, a one group of business owners and one group of merchants, and, and uh, uh, I'm not sure if the CID is a, is a uh, holistic organization now that covers both of them, but, but is, there, is there a strategy uh, in place for downtown to sort of uh, uh, make people feel safe down there? Well, you know, if there's a strategy... Um, uh, it would be very unique because I don't know of any city that has a strategy mm -hmm. that, uh, that can, uh, really impact that right now. Um, we do have, uh, we do have some tactical things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is, uh, there's John Trapp who is a social service person, yeah. um, that we can call and he can give them aid and assistance, try to find them shelter or whatever, you know, they need. And, uh, and so he's been effective, I think, in doing that. Um, the really odd thing is, is that, um, if we just had to, uh, assist the people in our own community or mid Missouri for that matter, yeah. Um, it probably wouldn't be a very hard task, yeah. but, but there, it's kind of interesting to see that the numbers of people that are coming through yeah. here, and maybe it's because of our proximity to I-70, but it, it's, you know... There it, appears to be a dramatic increase in recent years. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, I, I think there need to be some laws about municipalities or people that are just dropping people off yeah. across, uh, across uh, different... Uh, um, municipal lines and yeah. I mean I, I always tell people I say we don't even allow pets to be dumped yeah literally yeah and yet we're, we're, we're doing that with people yeah I mean you should not be able to uh, take someone you know just drop them off and 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 not have any kind of accountability for yeah. them so well it, it's 
it's funny when the governor of Texas is doing it to Martha's Vineyard, but it's not funny when Kansas City is doing it to Columbia. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that for a double standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There you but, go. Because we know that's happening. We know Kansas City is, is busing people in here, which is really uh, very frustrating. But uh, um, the difference there might be the people <laughs> crossing the border may be able-bodied and willing yeah, to work. They, and in exactly. most of the cases here, these yeah. are people that have mental health issues, yeah. which we're Substance not doing issues. a good enough yeah. job with. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and again, addiction issues. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, okay, back to uh, the, the, the city recently. Recently announced that they're going to take the old Amarin site, uh, which was, um, um, you know, a, a brownfield site, you know, with some uh, hazardous uh, contamination uh, in the soil there. Now they're going to turn it into a, a park um, that is uh, right there in the smack dab in the middle of um, North Village Arts District. And um, man, I went into a cola coffee house last week. I, I, that's a cool space. And I that was a Coons Glass building that you bought. And renovated that, and I think you had a grocery store in there for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, the the uh, Jenny Yu's uh, taco Labau. place, Labau's mm-hmm. in there, and mm-hmm. and uh, but the the coffee shop has been extremely successful, it looks like, and they have expanded into where the grocery store used to be. Mm-hmm. But what a cool space! Who would have ever dreamed that building could be like that? It's probably one of the coolest coffee shops in America. Well, they've done a really nice job. I mean, we'll take credit for the out the the exterior, but mm-hmm. uh, they came in and really made you know took advantage of. Uh, of uh what was there and pretty much it was the the uh ex- the uh wood frame structure that was Coons Glass for many yeah. years and before that it was Farm Bureau Insurance. Uh, oh really? And okay. a, the railroad used to come right next smack dab up against yeah. the building and unload and then the little trucks would pull in and they'd it was kind of like Richard Scarry's uh <laughs> you know uh busy town, you so know. So it's like a railroad terminal uh, kind of to pick yeah. up stuff supplies yeah. and take it to other places. How would you describe the architecture of the building? Is that technically a Quonset hut? Yeah, it was a Quonset hut, but it was uh, they set it on maybe uh, six foot concrete walls and yeah. uh, um, but anyway, it's a it's a neat uh, 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 business, and, they, and Nick McCaig uh, has done a nice job with that. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, but the park itself, um, I think, is uh, is a home run for that area. You know, uh, Nick has those incredible flowers in front of that place. Yep, he and, does. Uh, those are beautiful. And he did it uh, because it's part of the arts district. That's uh, you know, it's right smack dab in the arts district, and 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 I think that the park itself is going to be a catalyst for the arts district. It's the arts district is about ten plus years now, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of artists that have made that area uh, su- succeed. We have, uh, you know, first Fridays, and uh, and there have been people who have been able to create art, and it's sold, and and uh, people have been able to enjoy and enjoy all kinds of displays. But that park is uh, is just a home run, and we'll be able to do other events and activities that relate to the arts once it's uh, completed. Yeah, when we come back from this break, we'll continue our conversation with uh, John Ott about uh, some of the projects he's working on in downtown Columbia and beyond, uh, including a small town in Minnesota on the Boundary Waters. We'll also find out about some other projects he's got uh, in the works. All of that and more is coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. This is 93.9 The Eagle. Ah, you can talk about the pit barbecue. The band was jumping, the people too. Ah, mess around. They're doing the mess around. They're doing the mess around. Everybody doing the mess around. Welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show, our third and final segment. We are visiting with John Ott, 
who is the mastermind behind uh, so many of the historic renovations and, and uh, restoration projects that we've seen in our, our community. Um, your son, Tanner, has uh, come back from Minnesota and he is active in the business. Tell us a little bit about Tanner. Tanner is just actually Tanner runs the runs the company now. Uh, thankfully, um, the uh, you know I've done it for almost twenty years. Uh, he uh, uh, graduated with a finance degree in twenty fourteen from the University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and at that time we started uh, doing some projects in Ely, Minnesota, and that's where he cut his teeth and he did mm-hmm. some great work. And then I was able to recruit him back. He he actually was dating a girl and married her and moved and they moved uh, to Columbia. And uh, so the last two years, he's been uh, running our company and doing a great job. And uh, he's really, you know, he's, he's skilled in construction and and uh, and in all the paperwork and finance uh, yeah. aspects of it as well. So. People in Columbia are somewhat familiar with Ely because uh, that was Darwin Hyman's uh, summer home. He spent a lot of time up there. Um, and so people would say, why are you going to Ely, Minnesota? And I think we learned about the Boundary Waters, which uh, is, it, is it still much like it was? There's no motorized uh, boats on, yeah. on those waters? Yeah, in fact, and Darwin was just down at the uh, Gunflint Trail in a, in a town called Grand Marais. Oh, okay. and, and he started going. There was a child because many of the people that would hang out up there in the summertime were educators that oh, had the yeah. summer off and sometimes yeah. ministers and that kind of thing. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, he, he, and so all the years that, uh, that I knew him and he would be going to Grand Marais and we'd be in Ely and it's really about a three hour drive. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah, okay. So I, we thought never, was, I thought it was at Ely. Yeah, oh, okay. no, but, yeah. but, uh, but he had the same love for the area that we do. And, uh, now Ray Stockton, who was a realtor here in town for many years, is he up to that area also? Yeah, he still is. He's on the yeah. other side of the lake and that's okay. how we were introduced to the area. Ray's wife, Jan, and, and mm-hmm. uh, Jan spent every summer up there. Her dad was an educator in Minneapolis. And so, wow. um, but anyways, we, we would go, we were going up there for years. And uh, ultimately bought a summer cabin uh, uh, on a lake outside of Ely. And the downtown, uh, most of the construction workers, and there's some fine guys, but they're building... Uh, like a, a lake cabin right. to run, right. and downtown was kind of suffering a little bit, and uh, and then 08 hit, and uh, and it really hadn't recovered, and so we just I always said we are not gonna do that kind of work up in Ely. We're not going up there. <laughs> Your vacation, not going up there to work, but it was just we felt like uh, you know we were called to help uh, with that, and uh, and so we got involved, and and Tanner did about. Uh, Oh, about eight different projects up wow. there and really made an impact. But you know, the other, and, and we felt really good about our contribution to helping the downtown area. But what's interesting about, uh, Ely and other areas like that is that during COVID, when it first happened, you know, we were all, uh, no matter whether you lived in Columbia or Ely, you're saying, what, what is, you know, what's going to happen here? Yeah. And areas like Ely just really benefited. People, uh, fled places like the cities of yeah. you know, Minneapolis and, you know, Milwaukee and Chicago and that young people found their way to these towns and probably not since the seventies that that occurred mm. in a place like Ely. And so, uh, it's, it's just really Ely, uh, experienced a boom because of COVID, oddly enough. And you bought an old movie theater there. We did, uh, it, we would drive by it and it was closed and there was a building next to it. And, uh, and I, you know, quietly uh, would say to Vicky, you know, if, if the building next to that theater ever became available, we ought to try to uh, b- uh, buy it and restore it. And so we, we restored this 1936 Art Deco uh, movie theater, which mm-hmm. was pretty simple. This is a mining town, so yeah. it wasn't over the top to do, yeah. but it had some cool 
uh, uh, Art Deco elements, and then uh, we we redid the building next to it that uh, allowed for a second screen because you really need a couple oh, yeah. of screens yeah. and a real nice uh, a real nice concession area because in those old thirty six movies they didn't even have concessions. Mm-hmm. It was like a TV. You know, they were just running people in and out every every hour or two, and they weren't getting concessions. It was yeah. another line waiting to get in. Yeah. Know? And so, uh, anyway, it ended up being a quite a quite a real, just a wonderful uh, project, and the community loves it and supports it. Are they showing movies there, or is it used for other purposes? Not well. It's it's primarily uh, movies, first okay. run movies, and then, uh, uh, but uh, they just had a there was it was it was the. Uh, 30th anniversary of the International Wolf Center. We were just there a few weeks ago to experience that, mm. and, and uh, they they you know they will have uh, uh, live music there occasionally and plays. They, yeah, and they're so uh, very yeah. cool. That's got to make you proud. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to come back to Columbia for a second because um, the are you involved? It seems like I saw Allier Realty signs on the front of what was the original Boone County Jail. Is that your project? Yeah, that is. Okay, it is. so to help people understand, it, it is it is between the, uh, what was the name? Is it Bolt Hotel? What was the name of that, The where Boone Tavern used to be? Yeah, if you if you wouldn't have asked me. Uh, uh, it, it's, uh, but it, I know that it was uh, an old hotel at one point. Ben Bolt, maybe? Yeah. No, the Ben Bolt, I think, might have been on Broadway. Oh, okay. Uh, this one, uh, and the name will probably come to me here yeah. in a second, but yeah, it's the it's the one that used to be next to Boone. It was the Boone, we used to call it the Boone Tavern building, yeah, right? Yeah, and the Boone Tavern yeah, of course. Yeah, um, And so you've, so this is the original jail. In fact, if you stand out in the alley, you can see the original bars on the windows uh, of that building. What, what do you, and I understand some people have tried to go in there and renovate it, but but uh, this is uh, this is a big project. Well, the uh, this building, we learned a lot about it after we uh, we uh, purchased it, and you know, p- part of uh, what we try to do is maybe you know uh, do a project that nobody else wants to do. <laughs> this thing is so we usually end up with things that have been sitting there a pretty long time, and, rotting. Yeah, and in this case, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, it, it, what we found out. This was the 1901 City Hall, and oh, yeah. so it, and the city jail. Okay, uh, and it had the. I guess I don't know if they had a sheriff or they had a you know a police chief or whatever. But one, it, it had two bays originally. It was the police chief and then probably the city clerk. Yeah. And you'd go upstairs and it was a large room to have your city hall meetings. Okay. Um, and then a few years later they built the third bay that's the closest to the alley, mm-hmm. and that was a fire office. It was apparently the first fire. A department yeah. office. Now it didn't house any uh, Indians. any Indians yeah. because yeah. they didn't even have them at the time. They right. had horses with trailers and you know or whatever buggies, and they were housed next door in the livery stable. It was either behind it or on the side of it where the you know where the livery stable was. But that's that's its history. They outgrew it in about uh, eight eight years because then they built the facility that. Uh, is next to where Lifestyles Furniture was oh, yeah. on about a block to the yeah. uh, east. You yeah. Know, or two blocks to the east. Uh-huh. I don't know, a block to the east. No, two blocks to the east. <laughs> 7th Street, I think. So. Yeah. And it's uh, so. What what are your plans? I mean, you're. It's. I know that somebody attempted to to renovate and put a restaurant in there, but it. I think it it proved to be too costly or something. But they, it didn't happen. What are your plans for the building? Well, we uh, uh, our plans are to we we retuck pointed it. We did some structural work in it, um, and uh, th- there will be a restaurant most likely on the first floor. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been talking to an uh, individual. I think will just be outstanding there, and uh, and then the upstairs will be about six really nice uh, executive offices oh, wow. uh, okay. and uh so and, and i think it'll be ready probably uh 
you know, in the next few months. Mm-hmm. We really, all the hard work is done. Yeah. It was really, a t- I mean, the new windows show up in a few weeks, and that'll really make a difference on the outside. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to, it's a good project. It's, it's, and it's one of those buildings that I think was, uh, if you if you try to tell people where it is, yeah. they have no, it's hard like to that, explain. Yeah, I right. tell people if you walk out of the um, walk out of the blue note and you turn left, <laughs> oh, it's right. about uh, uh, it's a half a block up a uh, half a block up to Walnut, and yeah. then another half a block to this building. Yeah, so. it's right on Ninth Street, correct? North Nine. Yeah, Ninth Street, and it's right next to the County Government Center, and it's just. Uh, but you, you people probably walked by. I think there used to be a guitar shop in there many years ago. Guitar you know? Finder was there. Ben yeah. Wade had his uh, yeah. place. Uh, yeah. Um, and then a famous musician used to live upstairs. Kenny Green used to hang out with him up there during the 70s. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it Lyle Harris? I can't recall who it was. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. But, well, uh, if he was hanging out with Kenny Green, he couldn't have been too good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I t- I keep, every time we, we work on a building or, uh, you know, Kenny's, and Kenny says, I used to hang out there. And I said, of Kenny, you did you a lot did. of damage to these buildings over the years, you know? So <laughs> he's really calmed down in his older years. So I've noticed, but, yeah, uh, yeah. um, that's great. So when you, um, you sort of look at, um, you know, the future. So some of the things that you're sort of thinking about doing, uh, you know, Tanner's a young guy and I uh, got a lot of years left in him. Uh, he's, I think he married a girl from Ely, right? And she's yeah. moved to Columbia and teaching down here. And, and, uh, uh, so there's a, there's a commitment to Columbia, Missouri. It sounds like what, what's, 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 what's ahead for you? Well, um, you know, it's hard to say. I, I, you know, I think we're committed to doing projects, uh, when, when the opportunities come up, you know, sometimes, you know, with interest rates getting higher that, you know, you got to really be careful. Uh, there's, uh, and, and there's really, you know, uh, when you walk around maybe you can identify some eyesores, but there's, uh, there's, uh, they're fewer and fewer all the yeah. time. Yep. And so, uh, you know, but we'll, we'll continue to look for opportunities and we, we love doing them and, and the goal, you know, we have to make money so that we can do the next one, but, but it's not like we, you know, it, it, we, we always try to try to do it right and uh and make it an asset to the downtown area yeah you were very successful in the in the radio business and and so it's you probably didn't have as much trouble with with banks but is taking an old building like the the former city jail and and convincing a bank that they need to finance something like that is that is that typically a tough sell well it, it's good if you have a track record and yeah. finding the tenants and paying your paying your rent i can tell you when we we went to the bank for the for the first one, which again was a schoolhouse. <laughs> we, uh, we we struck out many times before yeah. we actually got one. And the story goes because we got our loan ultimately from uh, uh, the first national bank at the time. Yeah, um, that Jeff Smith was on the board, and he was might have been a very young guy at the yeah. time. And yeah. he, but he knew what bed and breakfasts were. Yeah, but so, he did. So he had to convince all the old guys uh, a that bed and breakfasts were were worthy uh, as a project, and that and then that we would be able to perform on it and yeah. so uh um so anyway that's that's how that worked yeah out. yeah um when you um you sort of look i mean when you look at these buildings um is there something that i mean you you made a comment earlier that we typically like to buy things that nobody else wants to touch uh is there is there something that is you know are there some criteria that's you know hey these are the very basics that we need in order to build a successful project you know, it's just, everyone's, every one of them's different. I mean, you look for, uh, to see if you think that it will generate any kind of foot traffic or vehicular traffic. And, um, you look for character in the building. Is it, it does it have some, something that'll make it interesting? I mean, it is like Kuhn, the Kuhn's Glass building, yeah. you know, it was just a Quonset hut, but, uh, you know, we, we, we have some good, 
uh, uh, subs and contractors that we work with. And then Nick Deturt, we've worked with for years from uh, Putnam's, and yeah. he has an eye, you know, for for a lot of things, and he helped us a lot with that building. He took a lot of interest in it because his office is just across, right across the street. The street yeah. He was going to have to look at it. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we look, you know, for character in it and in stories. You know, if if it has if it has interest in stories, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, uh, there's no, there's no perfect formula, but those are some of the things we look for. Yeah. Well, you've done a beautiful job and, and, okay. uh, you've taken some real eyesores in, in Columbia and, and made them beautiful again, which is, uh, so the community has a real debt of gratitude for you for the work that you and Vicki have done and, oh, and you. Tanner and, in, in, uh, making it all come together. So thank you for your, your good work. The next time we have you on, we'll talk about the possibility of a downtown conference center. We had, uh, Dave Parmley on last week and, and, uh, whether or not that's going to come together, but, uh, we need to get together with you more often and talk about some of your projects and, bring tanner on the next time that'd be great and yeah. uh see what he has to say but uh john ott thank you for joining us uh this week on the ceo roundtable and uh thank you for your contribution to columbia in making us a better community we'll be back next week with another great show another great edition of the ceo roundtable you've been listening to the ceo roundtable on 93.9 the eagle this city is my city and i love it yeah i love